And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. I am your host, as always, Matt McLaughlin, here with Timmy Gorman. All-Star Weekend is officially under wraps. A head coach at a Power 5 program has been suspended for the remainder of the season. A lot of big basketball news to catch up on. So we're just going to hop right into it. Jawan Howard, the University of Michigan's head of basketball coach, has been suspended the rest of the season, which is technically five games the rest of the regular season, I should clarify. Um, after striking uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, the coach Joe Krabenhoff, uh, there were some exchanges. And to really give context to the situation, Wisconsin is up 15 points with 15 seconds left. Uh assistant coach for Wisconsin, Greg Gard calls a timeout. He argued uh, in the postgame presser that the timeout was to kind of a chance to regroup uh, and break up Michigan's defense to sum up his response. Um, and Jawan Howard did not take that too lightly. There's a video out there by uh, Pablo Iglesias on Twitter, which is full unedited. And, you know, you can kind of get a better look and see how everything went down. Um, so Jawan Howard suspended and, at this point, uh, it feels like to me, to me, we talked about this, you know, after when this whole thing first went down, I felt like, I felt like um, when I realized that there were five games to go in the season, I was like, okay, yeah, he's suspended for the rest of the regular season. Cause my official, my first thought was like, it's half, it's the halfway point of the season. This, this college basketball season has flown by me, like both of us. Insane. It's insane. So I thought he was going to get suspended for like half a season or something like that. And I was like, no way should he be suspended for half a season for something like that. And, but five games, I think is completely fair for, I think this is a, a point where with Jawan Howard, he, you got to believe that he was expecting this team to be much better than they are. They're barely sitting at 500. And this was a team ranked top five in the country coming into the season. And they've just completely fallen off, at least for this season. And it's got to be a boiling point where he feels disrespected. And on top of the frustrations of Michigan just being absolute dog shit, it, he's pissed. Because, you know, when he's taking this job that he's thinking of that Chris Webber, the timeout championship game, and he's trying to avenge that. He has that great season last year. And now this year, they're barely struggling to even get a good seat in the Big Ten tournament. <clears throat> I think this is all general frustration and it, John Howard is a competitive motherfucker. He's one of those guys you don't fuck with. And I don't think calling the timeout wasn't necessary. I don't care what Greg guards logic or rational is. I just think it was completely unnecessary and you didn't need to do that. You had the game won and breaking up the defense. I don't think is a legitimate excuse. Um, and as I think as he said that he was trying to clear, like he was like, Oh, they were going to get a backcourt violation. Like, Bro, yeah, he was cares? trying to look at 15 Yeah, this game wasn't in the balance or, or like this wasn't in peril or anything like that. You didn't need to advance the ball. And it was like, all right, I I would be pissed too if I was Jawan Howard because it feels like my team just got disrespected and they everyone just, you know, Wisconsin just took a fat dump on us. How are we gonna respond? And maybe maybe this lights a fire in Michigan's butt where they can finally, you know, do something in the tournament. But that's my whole take. <laughs> No, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. We, we think you said we talked about it on Sunday, and it's it's definitely one of those, <clears throat> you know, the way Michigan sits right now, they're one of those annual teams that was picked to have extremely high expectations, 
based off of the year they had the year the previous season. They made it all the way to the Elite Eight last year, right? You know, they yeah. played a pretty close game from what I remember. It was a – didn't they go to overtime or it was – it was a – like they almost went to the Final Four, correct, from uh, my recollection? Because I never believed in it. I never thought they were that good. And then they were hanging with whoever it was that whose reason they were in. Was it Gonzaga? Uh, let me – hold on. I'm pulling up the schedule. Uh, they made it to Elite Eight against UCLA. They lost by two points. Yeah. So, um, and you know, so they had, even though they lost players, they, they brought in bigger, some big time recruits again, and they were, you know, expected to be whatever. And like you said, number five in the country, they won their first couple games. Then Seton Hall goes to Ann Arbor, ekes out like a one or two point win. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> Seton Hall used that momentum to start like 13 and one. Right. And then they fell apart. And now, now they're not even. 10 games over 500 they're bare, they're they're living on the bubble life themselves and so you know at, at the time i think everyone saw that and was like oh here's just two tournament teams who had to really knock them out drag down more in november and we could probably see this rematch maybe in like the sweet 16 in in five months yeah but as it turns out is neither of them might be there in five, five months <laughs> for real all and the only sudden, difference looking... is Kevin Willard isn't trying to punch Jay right in the face in between, you know, as the, even though he probably had the right to, no pun intended, yeah. uh, for the way that the, the officials have called some games for them. But uh, back to Juwan Howard is, like I said, like you said, and I 100% agree, you go, you come into the season top 10 ranked, you have high expectations, you're coming off a elite eight appearance. Michigan basketball has been on a boom for the last decade. They've been to two, they've been to, Two final four, two final fours in which they've made it to the title game both times. They got blown up by Villanova in 18, which is not anything to smite. I mean, that Villanova team wasn't losing to anybody. Yeah. I don't care who walked into that gym that 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 day. They were so high on confidence. They there was no like Dante DiVincenzo would have outplayed Magic Johnson. He was he was on another <laughs> they level. They were in that, that type of zone. Yeah. Yeah, he was on another level that weekend. And in 2013, technically Louisville got their thing revoked, but they had yeah. that game and they choked it away. So this isn't like a like once in a like fluke thing. Like it's not like Michigan hasn't been good since the Fab Five left. So um, it is a little concerning that he's like, like I get it being frustrated and stuff like that, but it's like it's not like you haven't had a winning season in forever. So like not to play like good cop bad cop. But no, it's, it's I, think, so, I think it's disappointment more than anything. Right. And it's like the frustration he's, I get. I get he, it. But yeah, he's still a former player. And right. that should that competitiveness doesn't go away. That drive doesn't go away. And when he knows he has a group that's on the on the doorstep of contending for a national mm-hmm. title going into this season. And then you mentioned that Seton Hall loss early in the season. They dropped that game that he's probably kicking himself over. And it's just been an avalanche of dog shit since. Yeah. They got blown up by Arizona. Exactly. North Carolina, who, according to the reports, is not even a, a 10 seed at 19 and 9 or whatever, the 18 and 8 or whatever they are. Yeah. And, the, like, you know, the historic ACC, not that it's historic this year, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're not even the 10 seed, and they beat them by 21 points. So, it's like, it's been a tough year. And, you know, like, Everyone can sit there and be like, oh, I can't believe he hit him. It's just like, yeah, did he cross a line? Yeah, but they're making it seem like he literally jumped up, like jumped six people. And yeah. like 
threw like a KO blow to Greg Gard and got on top of him and put him like in a freaking guillotine choke. Like yeah, like he's Nick Nick or Nate Diaz just or, hammering away. Not Greg Gard, whoever the rat, hat, whatever the the for, he, he's a former player. I know I know who he Crab, like, Krabenhoff. Yeah, he he's one of the seven thousand white boys with a buzz <laughs> cut that has come through Wisconsin in the last twenty five years to play there. Um, but that said, <laughs> like. It doesn't, and you know, he shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, you know, not that it makes it better, but like Greg Gard's got to have some responsibility. He's yeah. sort of like, oh, I called timeouts and we didn't get a backcourt. And he, like, yeah, he shouldn't have hit your coach. But at the same time, be a man and be like, you know what? That's on me. I understand why Juwan got upset. And yeah. I'm sorry for that. I shouldn't have done it. I should have just taken the backcourt. But he's not. He's being a douche about it and he's making it worse. And it's like, I want to know where the hate is towards him on this. Everyone's like, fire Juwan, do this, do that. It's like, what else has he done that's been this irate? Like, no offense, but this is like the de- this is the definition of the pussification of this generation of kids. Like, fucking Bobby Knight was throwing chairs at people, and it took 30 years to get him tossed. And, and, uh, just, and now, just look at the, this is what the Big Ten needs. The Big Ten needs like a big scrum. They need to get toughened exactly. up a little bit. Like, this is what the Big East was built on. We're huge fans of like the Big East. And this is what the conference was built on was coaches chirping each other, teams fighting and having getting in scrums. And what would happen? Technical fouls would be assessed. Game gets played. All right, let's go. Roll the balls out. And like, why are you calling a timeout with 15 seconds left? No matter what it is, like really, really. When when you're sorry, the caveat that you're up 15. Yeah. with the caveat You're up double digits with 15 seconds left. The game is in hand. There's no, there's no possible way they can make that. Like the only possible Unless, way is, is if they hit a three, you give them the ball right back in the corner. They hit another three, and you keep doing it. Yeah. five times in a row. Like you and have so to have like Reggie. Do that. You have to have Reggie Miller or Tracy McGrady like turn back time. And but then, even then, even if you steal the ball and throw it back, it that's at least three more seconds off the clock. Yeah. So they're yeah. gonna run at a time eventually. It, it, you know, like logic, logic should take place there. Yeah. Like you said, the Big East, it's like. They like you go watch that 30 for 30 and they talk about how it was a brotherhood. Like when they got together, they all were, got in it together to have each other's backs so they could have, they could have more success on the national level. And they might've sat there and yelled at each other, but they all respected each other to the fact that they all went to each other's funerals. They all went to each other's weddings. They were like, they were all there crying on each other's shoulders the day that Greg's um, what's his uh, Dave Gavitt, Dave Gavitt. Sorry. I'm thinking of the other bag with the glasses same Gigi or whatever I, uh, oh, one I know you're talking about. yeah uh, yeah the, they were all there crying on each other's shoulders because as much as they hated each other on the court and then Louis Cornaseca and Massimino and, and John Thompson talk about this and it's like we were at each other's necks but behind the doors we loved each other because we knew we helped each other and that's like it's like you you're making me look bad and then you go on and, and throw dirt onto the pile like yeah. no, fuck you. Like, and you want to get mad at that? Like, that, and that's just that's Greg Gard in a nutshell. Though I feel like this isn't the first time he's done some cowardly shit like this. As Is a it? player, he was definitely a fucking cheap shot. Oh, I like, forgot like, he was like a player. A, like, like a typical Wisconsin guy taking elbows to the stomach when refs aren't looking and falling over. Oh, he hit me for you know. So you know, I'm sick. Like, yes, Jawan shouldn't have done what he did. You know, Jawan Howard. Sorry, I'm making it seem like I know him. I'm playing bases. <laughs> Hey, John Howard, Howard, you want to come on the show? You got plenty of free time now. Right. But, you know, let's also 
the caveat. One yeah. of these guys is a Hall of Fame basketball player that revolutionized the game and is one is it was a key cog in one of the greatest college basketball teams ever. Yeah. On the left side here. On the other side, <laughs> it's just some Midwestern asshole who probably is pissed at the fact that he'll never get the same recognition. So he's got to be a coward about it. And instead of being a man, he just keeps trying to make Jawan Howard look bad. And in my opinion, that only makes him look worse. Yeah. So, you know, five games, I think. In, in summary, five games, like you said, it's, it's, it's perfect. Even if it was halfway through the season, I think five games would have been enough. Um, now everyone in Philly has a reason to tune in to Michigan <laughs> basketball because, oh, Phil Martelli. Oh, oh. Like, <laughs> shut up, people. Like, let's <laughs> – Talk about people who don't deserve the coach. Anyway, <laughs> All right, let's yeah. see if he tries to stop a Michigan kid from transferring this time now that he's got a head coach power for five days. And so, um, All right. I, this, we're I in, we're in agreement. And like you said, the only way this, this, the only, the only thing that can maybe change is that this has a positive effect on Michigan's team. They yeah. rally around each other. They say, Hey, you know what? Coach want to fight, want to fight for us. He smacked the shit out of that dude for us. It's time that we get his back and we go out and we make a run and we go to and we win the Big Ten tournament. Outside of that, which it could happen, you never know. Stranger things. Dude, if Georgetown can win the Big East tournament last year, anything can happen. <laughs> it, it's not, like there's you know, like I was watching uh I've been on a 30 for 30 kick and I was watching Survive in Advance last night. Oh, like, I've been watching Five Slam and Jamma. Yeah, but it's just like so. It's like two completely different teams, right there. Yeah, yeah. and that, that meet together in a championship, and it's it's like at one point, NC State was left for dead in '83. It was mm-hmm. their last year. Derek Wittenberg is literally sitting there being like, "My career is over," and they even talk about it in the first in the first round of the tournament because things were tape delayed back then. Sydney Lowe fouled out, and the announcers, because they were down by like five, five, six, six, four or six, goes, and that's how Sydney Lowe's career is going to end. Not knowing NC State's going to come back and win in two overtimes against Pepperdine yep. and then make a run to the championship. So yep. it was just like so funny. Like they were left for dead like six or seven times. So it's happened. You know, like there's the Georgia team from 2013. No. 13? 15? No, it was before that. Was it 13? It's whenever that tornado hit. And I want to say 13 because it was them and Vandy was in the, the, those semifinals too, and they shouldn't have been. Uh, but anyway. It might have been 11, 2011. And they make a run, and they eventually make – so, like like you said, crazy things have happened. Yeah. There's crazier teams that have got in at the last minute. I mean, think about when this, when this current format first came into play. The first two years where there was an 11, where there was those 11 seed games, they were really the playing games. The yeah. first two seasons of that, one of those 11 seeds made it all the way to the final four. Uh, yeah. That's the beauty of college basketball, though. So, look, you know. Look at last year. UCLA wasn't supposed to go as far as they were. And yeah. They were an 11 no, they, seed. They were another one. Weren't they in a playing game? Yeah. They were an 11 seed. They were an 11 seed that went on that huge run. Yeah. So, it's you never know. So, college you know, basketball, I'm, man. I'm, if I'm the, one of the leaders in that Michigan team, I sit down and I just go through all these references and I say, we were picked number five for a reason. It's not mm-hmm. just because we're Michigan. It's not just because Juwan Howard is our coach. It's because we had the talent. 
And yes. you know, it may be, you know, you never know. You know, they're you know, they get a they get a couple easy opponents. Some people take lay down, and you know, next thing you know, they get Wisconsin in the semifinals, and they, you telling me that's not motivation enough to smack them around. Yeah. So uh okay, so let's move on to all-star weekend. Uh officially wrapped up uh on Sunday night. Uh just some news that came out like uh, Chris Paul was awarded the first Kobe and Gigi Bryan award for advocacy of the WNBA and advancement of women's basketball. <laughs> so cool for him. Congratulations to CB three. Uh, Carl Anthony towns wins the three point contest team Cavs won the skills challenge, which was the most confusing event I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it was so, I was so lost. I don't know how there were, I think every single team that went through that like gauntlet, was confused at one point or another. Every single player got confused at one point. Um, Obi Toppin wins the slam dunk contest and perhaps one of the worst slam dunk contests of all time. Dwayne Wade was like calling it trash live on air. That pretty much shows you what that dunk contest was. Um, and then uh, team, team LeBron uh, beats team Kevin Durant in the actual all-star game. And it also came out that Chris Paul is going to be out six to eight weeks at least with uh, a wrist injury. Um, so a lot of news, a lot of news, uh, just overall, I, the NBA needs to figure something out with the slam dunk contest and it, the all-star game can't be saving this weekend, like every single year. Like is that, that was my biggest takeaway was like, I get it. The Elam ending. First of all, the people that are like saying that the Elam ending should be in regular season games can just fuck off completely. It's so dumb. Their, their ADHD brains can go back to scrolling through TikTok, okay? <laughs> Elam endings are cool because they're a novelty. They're cool because it's it's the all-star game, and you know that in the fourth quarter, okay, the teams are going to start turning on playing defense. If you do that in every single regular season game, these motherfuckers that are still calling for the Elam ending are going to be the same, same crybabies that are saying, oh, my team didn't get the ball with enough time on the clock when we lost in an overtime game in the playoffs or in the finals, um, let alone in a regular season game. So I think we just got to figure out the uh, the timeout situation, like limiting the amount of timeouts a team can call within the last like minute, two minutes, whatever it is. Um, there are just way too many stoppages. Uh, I, th- it was, I think it was on the latest Russillo, Ryan Russillo show. I th- was it Stan- Jeff Van Gundy said um, there should be like a take foul, like uh, – if, if a player intentionally tries to take a foul, it should be two shots and the ball for the other team, kind of like how there's a clear path foul. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the, the rules that Van Gundy was throwing out there, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I'm just sick of this campaigning for the Elam ending. It, it's cool because it's a novelty, and then once you introduce it as the standard, it, it immediately loses it, and then people are still going to find a way to bitch and moan and complain. Um, and yeah, I mean, the skills challenge made my brain explode. Carl Anthony Townsend in the three point contest was kind of cool. It was kind of cool seeing a big man shoot the three and splash some shots. Um, but yeah, it was just underwhelming. And it was so weird. Seeing, did you watch the NBA, the 75 team get announced during the All Star game? Mm-mm. It was weird because not everyone was there because of like COVID concerns. And so what they did was instead of like they had the players. Because like, you mean some of these guys are literally like 
the walking crypt keepers at this point because that they, they didn't know what happened. I don't know how the fuck Bill the Russell's 80s. still alive. I don't know how Bill Russell's still alive. I don't well, get it. Besides him, he's immortal, but I'm saying yeah, like yeah. besides that, like Bob Pettit's still alive. I texted my then. dad. I texted my dad. I was like, Bob Pettit's still alive. Um another one. Look at Ralph. I mean Ralph Sanson's not on the team, right? No, I don't think so. But like look at him when I was watching that surviving advance one. Even he looked like doesn't look great. Yeah, no. Nah. Um but the people, the players that weren't there, I off the top of my head, Bill Russell, Tim Duncan, and Larry Bird weren't there. Um, Why was Steve, Duncan not there? Steve Nash wasn't there. I mean, if I'm Tim Duncan, like, do I really want to go through all this? I don't blame the guys that weren't there. Like, do I really want to go through testing and regulations and stuff to wear a suit and then go announce on the floor? Like, was well, he assistant coaching now? I no, he left a call. I think he left after last season. Okay. Um. He could be. That would explain why. Like Steve Nash wasn't there because he's yeah, that the I get with Nash because you yeah. don't want to take, you can't take. The but it rest. was weird because like they would announce them and then it, it would show this like them pretending to wave to the crowd in like this hostage situation type crisis, where it's just like a white room, and it just shows the name and they're just like pretending to wave. It's very awkward, very weird. Um, well, I have a question. Yeah. Why? Why? Whatever happened to the hologram shit? Like. I remember, like, <laughs> when I was, like, when that first came about, and then even, like, when it first got used in, what, like, 2015 or something for, like, Tupac at, like, Coachella or, like, something yeah. like that. And it's, like, you would think by now, what's that, seven, almost eight years later since then, yeah. that, that that they haven't perfected, like, just, like, here's yeah, a they would have They would have had to do it for, like, a quarter of the team. They would have had to do it for, like, a quarter of the players, and they won't so, they Is won't it still that, that expensive? And oh, definitely. Is, it's like, it's the NBA. Still, though, that's that's money they don't want to spend. Would you rather just would you rather just shoot them in a room, looking like a hostage crisis, and you can just click play, or spend money on holograms that don't move, or like shit like that? Like the good news is that Michael Jordan was there, which I was kind of surprised. I was not expecting him to be there, to be quite honest. Well, I guess I'm more thinking like, don't they have the technology to like have these guys in front of like a screen they're in, like capture their image? And so oh. that it's just like them, like like the image they give next to like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you, you can't tell me that we don't. Like I don't. No, I don't, we definitely you know, do. It's not, a, I, it's not a big complaint. It's just no, I would imagine they would try. No, their trust hardest. me. Trust me. It was weird. It was weird. Dennis Rodman was there, which was very funny. I was not expecting him to be there. What color Sk- was his hair? Blonde. Um, I was. Scotty Pippen was there, but Jordan was there, which was I felt kind of ironic. I was kind of. I think. Did they did they talk to each other? No, Pippen wasn't there. He was like on the jumbotron or whatever. But I think let me guess they awkwardly showed Jordan's reaction right after Pippen was shown. No, no, because no one was expecting him to be there. He was like one of the last people announced. So who Pippen? No, Jordan. Oh, oh. Yeah. So I there was a moment when Jordan gets announced that he's like walking to the stage and he like talks to Rodman like briefly. And that was kind of cool because it was like, okay, the entire team isn't like shattered into pieces. They they still like no, each it's other. just it's just Scotty at this point. So All Star Game, I mean, Steph put on a performance of a lifetime with fifty points, absolutely dropping three bombs left and right. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, Timmy. Am I crazy for being like the Elam ending sucks uh, or? Not that it sucks, no, but it, it shouldn't be in the regular season. Like it no, be not at all. It's a gimmick. Like it makes it's something that they need it 
to get people to come back to watch the All-Star game because the late 90s and early 2000s was just a bunch of, like, braggadocious douchebags who were out there, like, doing the dumbest shit possible, like, you know, going to nightclubs 24-7. Not that you can't go out, but you know what I mean? Like, they didn't care. They weren't they, they weren't the 80 stars who yeah. cared enough. And not that those guys didn't drink. Like, you see it in the 30 for, or the last dance. And, and, you know, and Larry Bird talks about it. He's just like, you know, they would have beers in the locker room and stuff. It's not that. But these guys took it to a whole other level. There was, there was alcohol. There was drugs for some of them. There was these huge entourages. And they all came from, not all, sorry. A lot of them came from bad lives that they tried to escape. And you can't escape that life when you're bringing it with you. As I'm saying, I'm watching the a prime example right here, Chris Heron, the unguarded 30 for 30. Oh, how, yeah, yeah. You know, he just talks about it like everything would be fine. And the second he went back to Fall River Mass, it went to shit. And it did like it was just like, and then like getting traded to the Celtics was the worst thing that could have happened because he basically was living with an oxy addiction while being a professional. That's insane. Yeah, he was that's addicted nice. to oxy. Before there was even a cure or understanding of what to do with it, like Suboxone, which is still just as bad, would have something they could have at least given him so he could be okay from day to day. Yeah, didn't exist back then. So he was addicted to oxy, and then going out and playing twenty nine minutes a game, and some games like dropping like twenty five points and like ten dimes and like three steals, while yeah. high as a kite, and it's just like, and that was like the definition of a lot of these players from like the late 90s to like probably like when lebron really got bit like started to establish himself as the man in the league in like 2007 yeah and then it, it switched kind of switched back to like well and stern, and stern was trying to clean up the league when like oh, ai yeah. was coming in and right and you know that's probably the biggest person the week like like as philly fans i mean for you it's it's all kind of like going back and reading because the the height of it was when you were just born. But as me, I remember like, you know, looking back now and like, just you can watch these tapes and it's like, as somebody who's gone through certain things like this, I can watch those games and be like, he's fucking drunk there. He's <laughs> on a hangover here. Like, look at how bad, how baggy his eyes are. Look at how bad he is in this press conference. And then the things come out later in life that like he would go to this TGI Fridays on the main line. One that I frequented many a time from having been had dated a girl on the main line and having friends out there. And it's just like, it's not hard to find celebrities there because yeah. a lot of rich people live out there because there's, there's gated communities and they can hide and you get every so often, you just get a couple of random regulars. And it's a lot of celebrities that used to go there and he would go there and put down a 12 pack of Corona. And sometimes he would do that before a practice. Yeah. He would it's throw crazy. Half in the bag to practice or but, to a game. Yeah. Um, so like, Coming out of the All-Star break, the Sixers have a tough schedule um, coming up for them. And with with the Harden debut, it's on Friday night. We're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, is that guaranteed or is that just speculation? It's it's 90% guaranteed. Like, I'm not – he's not listed on the injury report, so that's good. So as long as the Lilas doesn't give him a free red carpet ceremony tomorrow, we're good. Yeah, yeah. As long as as long as someone locks him in a hotel. Well, it's at Minnesota, so that's the good part. Is that he's going oh, to? Yeah. He ain't going to strip clubs out there. Yeah, nah. He's staying home. Um, 
And that is what I'm gonna say about my next trip. Yeah. (laughs) But keep in mind, like, keep in mind, this was the same Timberwolves team that D'Angelo Russell dropped 35 points, eight assists, four rebounds, two steals, and two blocks earlier this season, and they won by one in double overtime. So that isn't a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. Is this Um, our third, second, or third game versus them? Second. We just have two games with them in the season series. Uh, I don't know why we played them twice, and both games were crazy. So in the in the month of March, they have 13 games against teams that are in the playoff picture as of right now, which is nuts. And they also have a back-to-back series versus the Knicks, and the Knicks have won both games of the season series this year. So what? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, won't birth them when Embiid was out because of COVID. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But still. It's far from a gimme. And now they're sidelining Kemba Walker the rest of the season. Did you see that? Oh, was he even producing for them? No, that's why they were like, hey, just chill out here. <laughs> it's like when Poor Al Kemba. Horford got Poor. benched for OKC or whatever. Poor Kemba. That's the um, same, man. That thing just deteriorated. Like, it's almost like there's a curse on, like, it's like the new, it'll be the new curse for Boston Celtics point guards. Because be of sur- what they did to Isaiah. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so, all eyes are going to turn towards this James Harden, Joel Embiid pairing. I mean, there's a situation because the standings are so close. The Sixers are only two and a half games back of first, and the um, the seven seed, or excuse me, like the six seed is only, which is the Boston Celtics, are only four and a half games back. I mean, even They're- the seven seed in Toronto is only five, so you're not wrong in saying that. Yeah. So that does not give the Sixers a lot of room for margin of error and bringing Harden into the offense. Doc right. said, Doc said something that, you know, he's just going to try and throw him in and see, see what works, see what doesn't. And we're just going to have to work through those pains, pretty much those growing pains. There's a situation here where I could see this. I could see the Sixers slipping into the playoff playing tournament because there's just, isn't enough time to incorporate Harden into the offense you mean for smoothly. good or just like for at a certain point before they get it, get it right. And then earn like a fourth seed. I, I think there will be a point where they slip into the play in and then they come out of it and then fall, like claw their way back into the six or five seed. Maybe I just, uh-huh. with a team like Chicago that is thriving despite injuries to key guys like Lonzo ball and Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams, they got continuity there too with Miami. Obviously Pat Riley is going to ride up that team's ass until it finishes as the first seed and then go take the playoffs from there. So you're dealing with teams that are a lot more continuous compared to others with Brooklyn. Brooklyn's just throwing everything, but the kitchen sink pretty much. And we'll see when Ben Simmons comes back. I'm Ramona Shelburne was reporting that he could be back in weeks, not months. Um, Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis, I'd, Definitely think he's set up for a tear. And it just feels like in my Philly sports fan brain, it doesn't feel like this is going to go smoothly because it's never easy with Philly sports. It's always going to be something that happens where there's going to be a skid and then the sky's falling. And now all of a sudden they don't know what the fuck to do. But maybe there's some hope. I mean, you got Joel Embiid, who's the MVP. I just learned this today. Joel Embiid's <clears throat> number one in scoring coming out of the All-Star break. Is he in, really? In the entire league, yeah. What's his average for the year, 27? 29. 
But it's not. It got, well, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but I guess it's just because they weren't making it seem like it was that high. Yeah. So it's, I believe I'm double checking it now. It was on NBA.com. Um, season leaders. Uh, so he, it's 29.6 for Joel. Giannis is right behind him with 29.4. LeBron is sitting at 29.1 at third. So obviously the biggest concern I think coming out of this Harden trade is how much of Joel Embiid's production is going to be reduced because of Harden. I don't think it'll be that much. Like, I don't think you're going to see as many 40-point, 45-point games. Like, it's going to level out a little bit. But you mean Embiid? Yeah, with Embiid, yeah. Like, his his point output is going to level out a little bit. Okay, I agree. And, yeah. And – but I, I don't understand how he's not the MVP. I don't – like, I don't understand it. He's number one in scoring. Let's assume that he finishes number one in scoring. He would be the but first – But it's not just the scoring. It's everything else. It's the rebounding. Every, and the he fact just, that he doesn't have a second – he doesn't have a – he hasn't had his best sidekick is a guy who's best suited as a three or a four and Tobias Harris and a second year player who maybe in two years could be an all-star. And as much as we all love Tyrese, but he's not that player yet. He's not consistent enough. Exactly. And people are arguing Giannis and Jokic and B just schooled Jokic in most of the all-star game. And before the all-star game in the last game, Joel and B put up 42, 42 and 14 in the last game on the road in a win. On the road in Milwaukee. On right. the road in, like, without and, Harden, without Harden, like he's without, a, without two what does he have to do? What does this man have to do? What does he have to do if he, if he finishes, played for anybody but the Sixers? I swear to God, I that he I, were to already yeah. have the MVP locked up, but because it's the process, because he's embraced the city, because he loves the city, the city loves him, and he calls himself the process. And he does, and he he basically gives a middle finger to all those people that want to hate on it. They will hold that against him forever, and that is the that is. I, it would not surprise me if even if he continues to play like this and maybe goes down to like twenty five points, but still has like fourteen to fifteen rebounds, yeah, a block or two, like one point two blocks, like maybe one point eight steals per game, and like three point four to five four point four assists. Yeah, that's MVP numbers right there, right? And the MVP. Sixers finish in the top three in the Eastern Conference, right? That's yeah. an MVP. Unfortunately, it won't be enough because I'm like, well, Giannis was even better this year than he won the first two MVPs, and it's like, okay, whatever. So that they they will find every reason. They sucked his dick for two weeks. That's all he was ever going to get, and now it's basically like, unless he goes out, there's nothing he can do because even if he went out and did the triple double shit, and it was like 33, 22. And like 10, they'd be like, well, he's hogging the ball. There's no winning with these assholes. Because now apparently Jokic is the best player in the league again. Dude, literally, uh, this was a sentence literally said on the mismatch by Kevin O'Connor was, I know standings don't matter that much in MVP voting. Excuse me? Excuse me? What are we trying to I'm pretty sure he's one of the key leaders of the right side of history bullshit that him and Simmons started because they voted for Harden over Ross, and the, one of the bigger things they always talked about is how Harden's team was better than Ross's. What the fuck are we trying to do? We're trying to win games. What the fuck? MVP. Most well, valuable. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and if you look at the equation and the past, that's plus per prevention. 
Like, I don't understand. We're just finding a Never reason. Never played a sh- game of basketball in his life that was competitive outside of in, in his backyard when he was getting schooled by all of his friends. But because he can add numbers together and know some equations and has a somewhat okay writing ability, he is the, the new, you know, sports journalist, and it fucking ruins it. Well, it's like, when when did standings not matter? Does anyone else – does it – it feels like I'm screaming into the void here. Like, and it's also not that. It's the fact that they want to be like, well, can you believe Jokic has done so much with so little? But what the fuck do you think Joel Embiid's working with? What exactly. do you think? And they'll sit there and they'll say it, and they'll be like, this person isn't that good on the Sixers. And they'll say it just to take shots at the Sixers players. Yeah. But they'll never give Embiid that same credit. Whereas with Jokic, it's like, oh, he's only got Aaron Gordon and this person and that person. And it's like, well, you know what? That's the Nuggets' fault for not for for investing so heavily in three players and and drafting three other guys who had serious injury problems and then giving them big contracts or or giving them chances and then trading them away and Porter, Bull Bull, and um, I can't think of the third now, but it's like Gary Harris, I guess, it would yeah. be the other one. R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton, that's it. And yeah. Gary, yeah. So, but then it's like it's not a beat's fault that Simmons is a fucking baby back bitch. Yeah, it had nothing to do with that. And yes, it's not Jokic's fault that Jamal Murray got hurt, but it is his fault that the Nuggets. It's not his fault either. But it is like you know, he you know if he, he's got to work with what but, he has. Exactly, and so does Embiid. But for some reason, it's more it's it's it, Jokic is is a more important thing than what Embiid does, and it all comes down to the process and Philly, and I, and I will I, live by that. And I. At the same time, I feel like terrible about myself as a fan because like because of the media, it's turned me into this like hatred for Jokic and Giannis because the media are pumping them up so much. Like I want to love these guys. Giannis has a great personality. So does Jokic. But because the media is pumping them up as MVP guys, it drives me nuts and it makes me hate them even more because they're taking away an award that rightly deserves to Joel Embiid. If Joel Embiid finishes number one in scoring, he would be the first player since Shaq to finish, the first center since Shaq to finish as the top scorer in the league. The only other, um, the, the last player before Shaq was David Robinson in 93-94. So why are we instantly like taking away this credibility that or this credit that Joel Embiid deserves when he's just clearly the MVP? He's just clearly the MVP. He's working with fucking Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and he had Seth Curry for a little bit, who was a great addition, but now he has fucking James Harden. And then they're going to use that to take away an excuse to not give him the fucking MVP when he didn't rightly deserves it. Ah, he's clearly the MVP. No one can change my mind. And if someone... Some stupid writer that thinks advanced stats matter. And because Jokic is 0.111111 above Embiid in a minus in a minuscule non-winning category, and that's why he deserves to be MVP. I will unleash a scorched earth campaign, the likes of which no military has ever seen before <laughs> on the basketball media. It is ridiculous. It is blasphemous, as Stephen A. Smith would say, and it should. It's it's just it's out it's outlandish it's outlandish. <sighs> so no, I and I I agree. So here is, so I was just looking at the schedule because you were talking about how like the it's going to get hard, right? Yeah. And and no, it's and it's bullshit, and it's because of these guys that have never played a game past CYO or like you know youth league ball that never understood that what it's like to be in a real competitive game 
or yeah. any of this other shit or play on any sort of sports team and they came up and they're like they're like the um the kid who got picked on that becomes a dick dickhead cop now <laughs> they're the kid who got who, who never got a chance to play sports because he wasn't good enough so they become the dickhead journalist who wants to yeah. use his own fucking dumb shit way doesn't ever take into the intangibles like you know hustle and heart and actual overall talent they think that math is the only way to analyze the game now. And it's so fucking moronic considering how we analyze this game. Does it help? Yes. True shooting percentage and all that stuff. I'm for added, added disciplines. I am. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is a positive, right? Because yeah. it gives you another way to look at it. But it's not the end-all be-all. They're basically being hypocrites by saying the way you used to look at it with this absolute truth of it's only about points and rebounds and this, this and that and wins and losses. It's wrong. Actually, it's about this absolute truth. No, actually, it's about both, you assholes. And it's like politics in real life. That you know, there's radicals on each side, and there's only a couple in the middle with clear heads that see it the right way. And so, get you know, before I get, get even more, more, I know. I do. eighteen it's, games between the, between this Friday, the twenty fifth of February. So basically the end of February, you know, uh-huh. shortest month. So from the 25th of February to the 31st of March. Okay. 18 games the Sixers have. Yeah. Even split nine and nine, nine, nine home, nine away. Of those 18, including the two against the Knicks. So if you take the, the back-to-back or that, there's only four against teams with losing records. Yeah. So, so 13, six. 13 games. So, so 13 games against, so technically it's, it's, it's no four. Well, it's it's fourteen against are, teams are, with losing teams with winning records. Yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. Oh, with winning records. With the Knicks okay. included, it's 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 twelve. Yeah, yeah. but it's like I, when you when you get to a team but on a back to back. Yeah, in my opinion, even though they're they are down there in the standings, they may be playing a little bit better, trying to figure it out. They're not they're not a cakewalk, and the fact that you get them back to back, one in MSG and then one at home. It's after the All-Star break when we're trying to integrate Arden. There's a little bit, and there's the Knicks, there's a New York-Philly rivalry, so there's a little bit of bad blood in there. So mm-hmm. with that caveat, I'll say 13. I'll cut it. One game counts, one doesn't there. Okay. So 13 of those 18 games are against teams with a winning record. And in either the and and outside of Toronto and Brooklyn, who are 31 and 28, and I guess Minnesota, all sit. And top six are better in their conference. Yeah, and yeah. and really, Brooklyn is thirty one and uh, thirty one and twenty eight, and so is Minnesota. One seven in one league, one's eight in the other. Toronto has an identical record to Denver, who's the six. So it's basically mismatch. Like those six to eight seeds are, you, you know, football off them. Okay, yeah, yeah. so that's thirteen games against potential playoff teams, and. Yeah. And the, the split is of those other five that are against just shite, or, you know, because we're, one, one, that, that back to back will matter. Yeah. So you got to, it's Orlando, both LA teams, and Detroit. You get, you still get the Lakers and the Clippers on the road. And that, and in and, a, and from the tw- 23rd of March, the 27th, so Wednesday to a Sunday, it's both LA teams on the road. After and then to wrap that up, it's the Suns 
in at, Phoenix yeah. and then come home two days later to Milwaukee. It's going to be a visiting Philly. Yeah. And even before that, it's literally a back to back. They were almost playing. It's insane when you think about it. Dude, It'll look at that. Stretch from thir- Friday, 318 to Sunday, 327. They play. They play the, they play the Mavers at home, the Raptors at home, and then the Heat at home. And the Raptors and Heat are back to back. So that's the best team in the in the conference, and the Raptors who were have been climbing over the last month and a half, like there's yeah. nobody's like nobody's business. So back to back, then go on the road for two back two away games at LA. Cap that off with a game in Phoenix, and like I said, so that's a uh, in from in a eight day stretch. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, six games, and if you want to get cute about it and turn it into a 10 day, 10 to 12, 10 to 11 day stretch. It's six games in that many days. And it's, it's the two, the last two games of that are um, two of the best teams in the league in Phoenix and Milwaukee. Yeah. So like you said, it's, it's, it's no going to be tough sliding. This it's is, this tough is, sliding. this is, you're getting everyone's, but you're going to get, this is going to, this is going to make you or break you. This isn't, we're going and playing all the Nancys in the league. It's, you know, it's none of that, you know. And even when you think about it, that stretch kicks off with Dallas, who's been playing a lot better lately with Luca, mm-hmm. who seems to have learned from his, you know, I'm going to show up overweight issues at the beginning of the season. Then Toronto, then Miami. Like I said, you can't take the Lakers or Clippers easily. We've already lost to the Clippers here. The Lakers, mm-hmm. who knows what it's going to be, but I'm pretty sure if Joel's getting MVP hype, Mr. I'm going to make it everything about me, LeBron, after he hijacked All-Star Weekend, is going to hijack that game and play like he's playing for game, a Game 7 of his 10th title. And, and, and so just a long story short is nowhere in there outside of, you know, and you still got to go to Orlando. Not that that's like hard, but it's still on the road, right? And Franz, Franz Wagner was giving him buckets when they matched up earlier this season. Yeah, so it's just like... You know, they get Cleveland twice, a home and home with them in this stretch. They get a home and home with Miami. They get Chicago in there who may or may not have Zach Levine. It's, it's not easy. So this is, this is where we find out the metal. And I'm just going to tell James Harden one thing, you know, he's not going to listen to us or he is, but you better leave the baggage at home. You better bring your big boy pants to work and you better have a fucking chin and check your ego at the door and be ready to take some abuse because if you come out and don't play well in that first week, you're going to hear it real quick. And if you can't handle that, then this is not the city for you to be in. And you will learn that very fast, my friend. Very fast. That is my biggest issue with him. That is my biggest issue is he's never had to play outside of Brooklyn. And even then it's like, really though, it's Brooklyn. They're more more for their hipsters than their basketball fans. (laughs) Why do you think so, Ben Simmons wanted to get, go there? You know, like, I'm not saying nothing, there's not, that's nothing against Houston. Great fan base. Uh, you know, they, they know they're doing basketball, more. but it is not Philadelphia. It is not no. playing at MSG every night for the Knicks. It is not playing in LA every day for the Clippers or the Lakers. You know, it's not one of these teams that gets put on a microcosm on every little freaking thing they do that will get analyzed, and he better be ready for it. Because in Houston, he could get away with a couple of dumb, lazy passes and not playing defense. He does yeah. that once here, 
he's going to get roasted even if he drops 33 and a couple of other things. All right. So I think we got a lot of our chest and uh, we'll see how the second half of the season goes. Um, yeah. So thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to like comment, subscribe on all of our audio platforms, check out our YouTube channel. Um, going to be more active there and uh, yeah, we'll catch you in the next episode. So thanks for tuning in.